Hello, everybody. I'd like to welcome you to the GFOA Fiscal First Aid Podcast. I'm here today with Mark Bunkhauser. Uh, Mark is a kind of a unique guest because he has had a career that I think spans pretty well every possible aspect of public service. He was an actual practitioner as an auditor for a time in government. He has been in academia, teaching in the MPA programs at various universities. He was an elected official, meaning the uh, mayor of Kansas City from 2000 to 2011. And he was also the publisher of Governing Magazine for about 10 years or so. So quite a varied career, a lot of great experiences, and we're very happy to have Mark with us here today. We're going to be focusing uh, mainly on the idea of working with elected officials during a financial downturn. Given Mark's broad experiences, I think I'll have some pretty interesting perspectives on that. So welcome, Mark. Thank you. I'm happy to be here and do this with you. All right. Well, great. Well, let's start with the first question I have for you, Mark, is you were a mayor, of course. Uh, maybe you could tell us, and that's really obvious, your connection to elected officials there. Maybe you could tell us a bit about how the elected official perspective fit into some of those other professional experiences that I just went over. Sure. So when I became, I, I started my career in auditing with the Tennessee State Auditor's Office. Um, and the way it was set up, uh, the, the comptroller there who has the auditor under him um, is, uh, is an officer of the legislature. And my job, uh, when I, I became pretty quickly the head of the performance audit group, and uh, in that capacity, I served as staff to the Joint Government Operations Committee of the Tennessee General Assembly. Uh, and so that meant everything from delivering audit reports and talking to them about what the audit reports meant, both privately and in public hearings, uh, but also rounding up a forum and getting coffee. You know, then I went to uh, Kansas City, where I became the city auditor, and I served at the pleasure of the mayor and council. Uh, and so it was the same thing. I, I spent uh, a lot of time uh, dealing with my bosses, who were uh, elected officials. Uh, and, and the interesting thing, I'll, I'll add this. Um, so I thought I knew a lot about elected officials and how they worked and so forth. And then I got elected. Uh, and <laughs> it was a different thing than I thought. Yeah, I bet. So kind of given that, uh, what are the first thing finance officers should be doing to give elected officials confidence that the current situation we're dealing with, meaning financial crisis, um, is being handled? So kind of the, the stress that people are dealing with and building confidence in that situation. Well, what comes to mind when you ask that question is I think of Dr. Fauci uh, in the current uh, pandemic. And you want to be uh, sort of the solid, steady uh, voice of reason uh, advising uh, your elected officials. And you're generally not going to be the public face, uh, but you're going to brief them and have them be the public face. But when they want, when they want you and your credentials to you know, sort of come to the microphone and talk about how things are and how they're going to be. Um, you need, of course, to be able to do that. One of the things that we talked about at Governing a lot and I wrote about uh, is what I see as sort of the expanding role of uh, finance folks, um, uh, much more than just sort of uh, uh, a bean counter back in the back of the office someplace, but a much more uh, out front in partnership policymaker. 
So that, that's one thing that, you know, and in terms of giving them confidence, um, you, you need to have given them sort of solid advice for a while. They're going to feel better if they've been down, the, down uh, various roads, if not this one, with you and they have confidence, you know, they, they know you're making fact-based, evidence-based decisions um, and they've relied on you in the past and they've not had any unpleasant surprises. Right, right. Yeah, for sure. It's a great point. And kind of remind me there is, yeah, certainly if you've got a track record, it's going to be easier. Um, but if you don't, uh, fortunately for folks that are listening, if you're newer to organizations, uh, GFOA has done some research about how finance officers can build trust and confidence, including in situations where um, some of that was uh, done by finance officers who were newer. And kind of what we found is, you know, this was around um, delivering bad news well. And so there really was a three-part rule for delivering bad news well. And Mark, it would be super interesting to hear your reaction to this as a former elected official. So what our research found was that three stages were one, um, be prompt. So the idea being was delivering bad news promptly gives decision makers the most time to act on it. And also it preempts misinformation. So the idea being there that research has shown pretty clearly that people tend to be undiscerning listeners, meaning we believe what we hear. And once it's in our heads, it is hard to dislodge it. So you want to be first, because if you're first, you get the information out there and then the misinformation has to essentially dislodge the good information, right? So that's the benefit of being prompt. Um, the second part of that was being straight. So no sugarcoating, no doom and gloom. The idea being if decision makers feel like they may have been manipulated, they will not trust. And then third was uh, provide solutions. So the idea when we were talking with our finance officers that we researched with, the kind of the quote they used was, don't drop the problem in the lap of the elected official, come prepared with ideas to how to handle the situation. Mm -hmm. And the research shows that you want to come with a limited number of good options. So if people, there are too many options, people feel overwhelmed and, um, you know, will actually be paralyzed by with indecision. But if there is not enough options, they may feel they're not really being given input and they're just being told what to do. So I know, Mark, kind of your thoughts on that is like maybe someone who's newer and doesn't have the track record. So I, I think those are really spot on, um, all, all three of them. You know, you want, you want to be there quick, as you said, uh, you know, what, what comes to mind when you talk about having to dislodge bad information, uh, there's a quote, uh, maybe Satchel Page or somebody, uh, it's not what I don't know that gets me in trouble. It's what I do know that ain't so. Uh, <laughs> and so, yeah, um, get there quick uh, and be straight. Uh, don't sugarcoat it and give them options. That sounds yeah. good to me. Yeah, maybe I'll just start every council meeting with that quote. <laughs> if you knew GFWA best practice, we'll put that yeah. out there. Um, we're announcing it on this podcast. Um, so, yeah, kind of moving on, like just another kind of thing here about like giving folks confidence and handling the situation is something GFWA talks a lot about. And Mark, I know you agree with is this idea that across the board cuts are not a great way to deal with financial crisis because you're not really... Um, differentiating between what's important and what's not. Um, ideally, you would want to do targeted cuts. Um, but, you know, just maybe a question for you is kind of from the elected official perspective is some 
governments don't have strategic plans or priorities in place. So if that kind of guidance doesn't exist or hasn't been generated at the elect official level, kind of do you have thoughts on how plan sponsors might work with best work with elected officials to target those cuts? Well, you know, uh, to start with, you know, you're very gentle with your description of, um, you know, the folly of uh, across the board cuts. Um, <laughs> I, I say things like they're just really stupid. But I think that the idea of cuts kind of flows out of the conversation that we just had uh, about how you gain confidence. That is, you talk about options, you know, and if we, you know, and you work through with the elected officials what you think the operational consequences of this cut or that cut might be. Um, and, and of course, you're hand in glove with the operating departments uh, in doing that. So, you know, the two sort of north stars that you want to keep. Uh, first, what does the community need? Uh, and it's going to be different based on different, you know, um, I'm talking to somebody the other day and he was saying what Buffalo, New York needs is different than what New York City needs. So what does the community need? And then what does, what does the least damage to the organization and in terms of its ability to deliver what the community needs. You know, so first, what does the community need? And then second, you're going to do some damage. This stuff is painful. This is not fun. This hurts. Uh, what is the least damage that we can do to meet the community need? Right, right. Yeah, well said. You know, I think that maybe highlights something you hear a lot, which is the importance of communication in a financial crisis. And of course, it's true, right? So. Um, and when they say, I guess, in the spirit of good communication, we can't say enough that communication is important. But um, from your perspective, then, for finance officers to most effectively communicate with elected officials in a financial crisis, what are some of the keys for making that happen? What should be the finance officers be especially mindful of when it comes to good communication in this environment? Well, there, there's a couple of things that, uh, a couple of tools, I guess, that I talk about. Um, in terms of communicating. Uh, the first is um, John Albandian, I don't know, a long time ago, many years ago, was the mayor of uh, Lawrence while also being uh, the chairman of the public administration department at KU. Uh, and he wrote an article that I've never forgotten called Reflections of a Pracademic. And in that article, he talked about the different ways that professionals see the world uh, uh, finance officer, city manager, versus how the elected officials see the world. Uh, and so you have to uh, be aware of how the elected official sees the world. The, the finance professional tends to see, uh, you know, data and evidence and a problem to be solved and so on and so forth. Um, and so it's, it's sort of fact-based, evidence-based uh, argument uh, to solve a problem. Uh, but you have to be, speak in the elected official's language, and the elected official thinks in terms of values and symbolism and um, essentially a contest or a game uh, to be won, uh, a battle to be won. And so 
uh, I found it, you know, when I was when I was straddling those worlds, when I was serving elected officials and I was a professional, that the thing to do was to keep my evidence based argument, but then use uh, symbolism uh, to basically drive home the point that I was trying to make. Um, and so you have to use, uh, for example, you know, if this kid, you know, if, if you have two kids uh, that are uh, walking down the street, one of them's black, one of them's white, and the black kid gets stopped, it doesn't matter what the data says about racial profiling in your police department. If that issue goes viral and becomes important, uh, elected officials are going to focus on, on the anecdote, on the story uh, of, about what happened to those two kids. Um so that's one thing is to, uh, to look at this different way of looking at the world and language. But the second thing is something uh, that I got from Gary Van Landingham uh, at Pew years and years ago. Um, and he talked about the Troika. Um, and again, you start with evidence. You know, what is the best idea? What is the best thing to do based on the evidence? Um, and then you go to a story or an anecdote and you choose a story or an anecdote that fits the ideology of the person that you're talking to. So I wouldn't try to sell uh, an idea uh, to a progressive, you know, far left person with the same stories that I would try to sell it to a conservative. The, the object would be the same, the evidence and the facts would be the same, but the story that I use to try to communicate it has to fit um, the worldview of the person that I'm talking to if I want them to um, basically do the right thing as I understand it based on the facts and evidence. Yeah, you know, that's a great point, Mark. In fact, it reminds you of some research um, by a psychologist, Jonathan Haidt, um, who talked about the, um, I guess he called them kind of, I think it was, if I recall correctly, moral persuasions of folks of different ideology. And his point was not to say that one is better than the other. They're just, I think, to your point, different, and that different sorts of arguments are going to resonate differently with people. And in fact, I was having a conversation with a budget officer at a city that was had kind of a more progressive left-leaning board, and we were talking about this in the context of asset preservation, maintaining the assets. And I said, well, you know, in some more conservative-leaning communities, arguments about preserving or conserving the investment that they'd already made in these assets would resonate there. And he's like, yeah, that would never work here. And he said, well, we started talking like, well, well, according to this research and kind of the folks that have the more progressive leaning worldview, things like equity of access um, certainly are of interest. Things of uh, giving, kind of helping out folks of lesser economic means are all things that resonate more. So if you were talking about maintain your assets, you might say things like, well, you know, these assets are most used by the people with the least economic means in our community, or we want to make sure that everyone has fair and available ability to an opportunity to succeed in our community, things like that. And he said, okay, that's interesting. I'm going to try that out. Um, next week he came back to me. He's like, it worked, it worked. <laughs> and they ate that up. And like, to your point, like exactly, you've got to know the persuasions of your audience. And this uh, research was super powerful um, because it's basically, you know, it's not, again, saying one is better than the other. It's just saying it's different. And these are the sort of moral values that people of different political persuasions um, tend to weight more than others. So 
I think just for the benefit of the listener, um, we can definitely post some of the things that we're talking about here. So I believe we had a little summary of that research in the GFOA magazine, so we can post that. Um, and also, what was the article I think you said by Nelbandian, if I remember correctly, Mark, when you said- Reflections of a Pracademic Public Administration yeah. Review, 1994. Sure, cool. Well, it sounds like it's like a classic read, and I think you said most influential thing you've ever read, so certainly you want to give people access to that, or one of the most anyways. So that's great. All right. Um, why don't we move on to kind of a, a different topic here? And the kind of question, kind of, and I think we've been going in this direction, but maybe let's just kind of hit the nail on the head. And it's about hard choices being made during a downturn. And when it comes to elect officials and staff cooperating to make these hard choices together, what do you think are the most important things that need to happen? Like, what are those like kind of you must do's in order to make those hard choices together in the best way? Well, I, I think that, you know, it's a lot of stuff that we've already talked about and that you, you've highlighted, but it's um, talk, you know, I would start my conversation. If I'm, if I'm in the professional staff side of that, I would start by listening to the elected officials and I would ask them questions. What are you hearing from your constituents? What are you hoping to have? happen uh what what you know that sort of thing and and following up uh, those questions to try to see you know and then try to work with them and show them the impact of various choices if you do a this will happen if you do b that will happen um but but you have to start with what are they what are they hearing what you know and that's Going back to that earlier point about how elected officials uh, see the world and how they communicate and so forth, they're not sitting around reading research articles. They're listening to constituents. Uh, they're hearing stuff. Uh, and they care about sort of individual um, issues within their community. And so you have to, you have to start where they are um, and then show them alternatives again, to go back to your earlier point about options, um, and, and what the consequences of those decisions would be all the while being very, uh, sort of respectful and, and empathetic about the fact that they are in fact being asked to choose among bad outcomes. This is not a happy thing. This is a, you know, these are, you know, and so. Um, basically giving them credit for having the courage to make hard choices. The worst thing that can happen in the community is that they don't make choices, that they just spend down reserves and let things spiral into the dirt. Um, so, you know, treat them with respect. What they're doing, I'll tell you, my, my four years as mayor were the hardest years I've ever had in my very long career. Uh, so you, you have to come at it from that point of view. This stuff is hard. Yeah. And, you know, I think one point you made there are many good points. One I think is like super important that worth emphasizing is this idea of stories that reminded me of a quote I heard from another elect officials. It was basically, I think our quote was, and maybe paraphrasing a bit, is the language of the elected officials is the anecdote, right? Which is, 
like so different from the language of finance officers, right? Because finance officers data like means things inherently, like kind of people get it because they work with it every day, meaning finance officers get it because they work with it every day to the elected officials. However, you know, it probably seems a bit abstract, maybe a lot abstract mm-hmm. and having those stories to illustrate the data and bring it to into the kind of terminology or as our other elected official put it, kind of into their language is you know, so super important. So I think it's really great that you've uh, highlighted that during your remarks. All right. Uh, let me. What about the citizens? We haven't really talked so much about citizens during all this. Like, how do you think citizens should be engaged in these types of hard decisions we've been talking about? Because as you said, there's no good choices here, but we really limit ourselves to um, talking about elected officials and the staff. Um, this is ultimately democracy that we live in. So at some point, citizens have to be involved. So how do you kind of see that best working? Well, uh, uh, several things. One, first of all, this is incredibly important. Um, in a webinar that I did a few days ago, I said that you should communicate with the citizens about the financial situation uh, of their government as regularly as you do about how the government is coping with the pandemic. Uh, they, this is Im- important and you need to talk to them in, in this situation. And you want to uh, sort of create uh, the most representative way that you can uh, with teletown halls. And that's, I mean, given this, that we have to do the social distancing, uh, you want to try to be as, um, with as representative of a group uh, as possible. So having, having said that, then a lot of the rules for talking with citizens are the same as those for talking with elected officials. Uh, you, you know, they, they also talk in anecdotes and stories and symbols. Uh, they, are, they also need to be treated with enormous respect uh, and empathy. This is, this is their money. Uh, and you know, it's their community that you have stewardship over and you're responsible for, uh, taking care of with them on their behalf. Uh, but the, the other piece that is incredibly important in talking with citizens is that you convey very much the, we're all in this boat together. Um, you, people will sacrifice a lot for the good of the group uh, if they feel like they are a part of a group, that they are, that this is their community uh, and, you know, together we're going to take care of our community. So early and often, and there's no way that you can do too much uh, and be obviously very, very candid, very truthful. Uh, the, the thing that you said earlier about prompt, Yes, as soon as possible. Uh, tell people, and a, a lot of people say, "Well, they can't handle it. They, you know, they they don't understand. They're not, you know, so on and so forth. They'll misunderstand. They'll misuse." The the answer to that is more. Add more. Talk more. Yeah. So it's better to um, tell them, have them misunderstand. Tell them again in ways that are different. That explain uh, rumors pop up. You tell them again, you deal with the rumors. Basically, they are going to make up stories in their head anyhow. So you got you to gotta be their um, sort of firstest with the mostest. 
Yeah, no, it's a great point. Yeah, I mean, it's right in line with the psychological research, right? Where, you know, the kind of fact is citizens don't have workings into the insights of government, right? I, sorry, let me back that up. We're going to edit that part out. Um, Mark, you know, that's exactly right. And it's right in line with the psychological research where um, we're essentially saying citizens don't have deep insights to the inner workings of government. And because that's the case, they essentially have to connect the dots from what they see in their daily lives. And sometimes those connections they make, you know, may not really be in line with what's going on in real life. So I think just kind of recognizing that that's just sort of part of how people operate and to you say just working with it and continuing to provide the good information and helping to get the correct picture out there is uh, the way to go. You know, the, the other thing is that you uh, as the CFO or the city manager or the mayor, you're responsible for taking care of their community. And it is, you know, this represents a, um, a bit of a failure on your part. I mean, you didn't see this coming. You didn't, you didn't do this. You didn't do that. You didn't do something else. So you have to, you know, people are going to be angry with you. They're going to say, well, why didn't you build up adequate reserves? Why didn't you know there was a pandemic? Why didn't you? And, you know, you have to say, you're right. This didn't work the way that I thought, but here's where we are and we're doing the best we can and so on. Try not to be defensive, but they don't want to think about their government. They want to go to work, raise their children, mow the lawn, and they want you to take care of stuff. And when stuff goes wrong, they're going to be upset with you. They're going to look at you and they're going to say, well, how did you let this happen? And, you know, again, you got to be honest. Uh, we did not expect this. We did build up our reserves as well as we could, and so on and so forth. However, you're right. This is beyond what we had imagined. So you have to find a way not to be defensive, to be straight up, and, and to accept it. Yes, on my watch, things did not go the way I thought they would. Yeah, that's great. Great advice, Mark. All right. Yeah, with that, we are just about out of time. So maybe we can just wrap up, Mark, with uh, your closing thoughts. So the things we talked about, maybe kind of some high points from your perspective as to the kind of key things that, that you heard here today. I, I think that, you know, I, I think the key point in all this, you know, is to, for the finance professionals, is, you know, with regard to elected officials and the public, uh, you work for them. They pay you um, uh, for a lot of the citizens in your your uh, jurisdiction. You make a lot more money than they do, uh, and you you know you've got to be sympathetic and empathetic and respectful. Um, and the more you do that, the more they're going to trust you. The more more humble you are. I mean, this one guy that I know talks about servant leadership uh, all the time. Well, if there was ever a time for servant leadership, this is it. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Well said. All right. Well, with that, um, that is the end of our podcast. I want to thank everybody here for listening to it. And we will look forward to seeing you on our next podcast.